Welcome back to the Renaissance, episode 87. Uh, before we kick into it with uh, Papa Bear, I've got uh, a listener, guest, on the show to correct me about a grievous error I made in our last episode, a fatal mistake, as he called it. Uh, Muhammad, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Now, Muhammad, uh, tell me about the uh, grievous error I made in the last episode. Uh, it's not uh, it's not really that bad it's it's very very common mistake uh, you just basically called uh, the moors uh, black or a mixture of uh, black and middle eastern peoples which is a very very common mistake so uh, it's it's uh, partially because uh, the the main contact between the europeans and the africans were was with the moors and so uh, when they started exploring Africa, they just called everybody the Moors. And uh, so uh, people like you thought that uh, the Moors was, were also black. But uh, the Europeans uh, did know that there was a difference. And so they called the, the black people of Africa black Moors, while they called the Moors just Moors. And the Moors were... Are basically mainly just the the Berber Moorish peoples of uh, Morocco and uh, West Algiers. Uh, they're they're basically white, but not uh, not that white. Just Mediterranean, like Italians and Greeks. What do you know about people who live in Morocco? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm for, a Moroccan man. Okay, well, for people listening at home, they I wanted you to say that so people know wh- why you are all of a sudden consider yourself the authority on Moroccan people. You're you're Moroccan. Uh, you're Moroccan. You're talking to me. I'm Moroccan. Yes. From Morocco. I'm uh, from from uh, a small coastal city in the west of Morocco. Yes. Right. Okay. <laughs> Just wanted to point that out. Okay, so uh, now when I w- look up Moors, when I when I go to National Geographic, it says uh, derived from the Latin word Morus. The term was originally used to describe Berbers and other people from the ancient Roman province of Mauritania in what is now North Africa. Over time, it was increasingly applied to Muslims living in Europe, beginning in the Renaissance. Moor and Blackamoor were also used to describe any person with dark skin. But you pointed out to me that the Berbers didn't have dark skin. And going yes. and going way back, like tens of thousands of years ago, from the additional research I did today, they had they were Mediterranean, is essentially I think yes. what you're saying, correct? Yes, yes, correct, correct. Right. Because they settled there a long, long time ago from somewhere in the Mediterranean. Yes, nobody knows. Right. <laughs> okay. Yes. So uh, when I think more, as I think I said on the podcast, I think Othello. Uh, no, not Othello. Well, yes, Othello um, from uh, uh, Shakespeare. And I think of Orson Welles as Othello doing it in blackface. But uh, mm-hmm. and I think Othello was, uh, according to Shakespeare, had dark skin, but uh, not necessarily. So uh, would it be true to say that some Moors had dark skin and some Moors were more Mediterranean uh, flavored? Uh, 
the thing is, in the in the 17th century, the, there was this uh, king in Morocco called Moulay Ismail. He was the king of Morocco, the founder of the Alawite dynasty, which uh, still uh, rules t today. Uh, and he he brought uh, large, very large numbers of black slaves from uh, from uh, South and uh, West Africa. He, he brought very uh, very large numbers of them to serve in the military and be his personal guards. They were called the slaves of the Bukhari. They were they were his main armies. So uh, when they when they retired, they they settled, and so they mixed in with the local populations. And there is very, there is like some five percent of uh, Moroccans are black, or descendants from that army. So why then did more come to be associated with any person with dark skin, according to National Geographic, if there's such a small percentage of the Berbers had dark skin? Well, I told you, man, the, 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 the Europeans, uh, their, base, uh, their main contact with the, anybody from the continent of Africa was with the Moors in the Reconquista and the subsequent colonization, it started with Morocco. And so they just called the entirety of Africans, they just called them all Moors. And so because most Africans are black, the word become, became associated with them. It's logical. So they just, they, they took, right, so the, the, the Moors came from Africa Therefore, yes. all Africans were called Moors, and most Africans had dark skin. Yes. Right. Okay. So I, it would be correct in saying that from a European perspective, Moors mostly had dark skin, but they were applying the name Moors incorrectly. Yes. Right. Okay. Well, that makes total sense. So I wasn't wrong. I was I was using it in the same way that uh, the Spanish would have been using it in the 15th no, no, century, no, 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 but no, no. using it wrong? No. No? No, no, no. Okay. No, no. no. The, Spa the, Spa the Spaniards uh, didn't use it uh, for all Africans. They, they, they used it very specifically in, uh, for, for Moroccans and the, the Berbers. They had, uh, they, had an, they had another name for uh, the rest of Africans because they were close enough to know that uh, there is a difference and there are uh, different peoples uh, ah, in okay. Africa that didn't call themselves Moors. The, the Europeans, uh, after the explorations, because there wasn't, uh, there wasn't, there was no reconquista because, uh, you know, Granada fell uh, in 1492. There, there was no main, there was no main big contact with the Moroccans and uh, they just forgot something like that. In the 15th century, the Spaniards wouldn't have used it for all Africa. They wouldn't use it just for the Moors. After that, the Europeans started using it for all of Africa. Okay, so most of the... When, when the Muslims controlled a large percentage of the Iberian Peninsula, they would have yes. been mostly Mediterranean-skinned, coloured people. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yes, mostly mostly Berbers and mm -hmm. uh, some fifteen percent from Syria. Right, again, yes, the, mid, Middle Eastern Semitic kind of looking people. Yes, from uh, from Syria oh, and the Syrians aren't 
anti-black people, you know, they're, they're basically also Mediterranean. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, good to know. I should have um, should have reached out to you before I started shooting my mouth off about Moroccan people. So thank you for, thank you for correcting me, good sir. No problem, no problem. Uh, I told you about that song, yeah. Yeah, tell me, tell me again on air about that song. How, what's it about? Uh, it's 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 uh, from the oral folklore here in Morocco. Like basically everybody knows it, and it's very very common. But people don't know what it means. It's just uh, just became became a habit to, to to sing it while playing and jumping and stuff as kids. It's uh, it, it talks about the Inquisition. Right. It's, it's uh, a. Yeah. It's actually very painful if you if you think about it. Uh, uh, I'm gonna say it in the local uh, Moroccan dialect. Uh-huh. Then I'm I'm gonna translate it to you. Great. Uh, so uh, it goes it goes something like this. Tikshbilati uliula maktluni mahiyoni dakilkas liatauni alharami meimochi jaz khabarofil kuchi. I know he didn't un- understand anything. I'm I'm gonna translate it to you. Um, it it means. Uh, yeah. It means uh, uh, we shall see again the road of uh, Sevi. They they didn't kill me. They didn't let me live. They left. They 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 left me hanging in between. They gave me they gave me a cup, uh, and uh, they gave me a cup, and so my my fate was decided. The the bad man uh, does not die. He he shall he shall face his. Uh, is retribution in the afterlife, something like that. <laughs> so it's like a, a kid's nursery rhyme. Yeah, see, uh, but uh, the, the way it's uh, it's written, it's very very hard to to know that that what it means. It it's, it just uh, rhymes very well, and uh, yeah, and no, nobody knows uh, what it means until you actually read some history books about it. Yeah, in English uh, countries, we have similar things like Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water, or um, uh, it's like that. They they all have these uh, deep, lost into the times of history, tragic, horrible stories that kids don't know about. Yeah, that's great. And so, um, so uh, tell me from. The perspective of your upbringing in Morocco, uh, do you have any thoughts on the Inquisition or the Reconquista that you want to share with us? Anything about this sort of period that we've been talking about on the show? Yeah, uh, in Morocco, it's basically everybody like uh, knows that uh, one day we, we ruled... Uh, Spain and Portugal, and, and we were big guys, and and uh, we we defeated everybody. But uh, but now we don't uh, own shit. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's a uh, it's it, that's the basic idea. But uh, in Morocco, there is a like most people are uh, most people don't know anything about it. Most people are generally dumb and. Uh, it's it's it takes it takes it's it's a it's a minority of people that know anything about the reconquista and inquisition, but from from the main influence on Morocco was that most most the people who were 
expelled from Andalusia and came here. They they were they were the cultured people because generally the the the, the well-off uh, people are, were the ones who who could make it out of uh, Iberia. The, the farmers uh, couldn't take the boat here to Morocco, and so uh, the, most of the most of the people from uh, who who fled from Iberia to Morocco were 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 cultured people, and when they came, they brought with them. Uh, very sophisticated uh, methods of uh, farming and building and art and and uh, and uh, many more stuff like that and uh, so they they now now in in every in every traditional city in Morocco there is like some small uh, some small place known to house uh, to be the to be the place of the Andalusians who fled from Iberia, and uh, usually, usually this place is the most beautiful place in the city, and it has the, uh, most of the art and the most of the sculptures and stuff. Uh, here in Morocco, uh, because uh, here, uh, you know, Morocco is a third world country, and uh, education isn't that good. No, nobody. Most people don't know about uh, that, and so there is no like hatred for the Spaniards, for the Inquisition and thing. That it's, uh, but uh, there is uh, some uh, brewing up lately, actually, because uh, as as you said in the in the Cold War show, when the when when people start uh, start reading, they always uh, start reading, um, you know, very extreme books. And so uh, now, uh, some people in Morocco start have started uh, reading about uh, the Inquisition and thing and the stuff on the social media and things. And so uh, more extreme views are now growing up. Like uh, we need to take revenge and stuff like that. As it's uh, very yeah, five hundred years later. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. We need to take revenge for from from the descendants of. Of people who did bad things to our ancestors 500 years ago, yeah. very long. Well, hey, the Shia and the Sunni are still fighting. What is it, 1300 years after Muhammad died? So, <clears throat> hey, 500 years is nothing. Um, now, uh, also coming up on our Caesar show in the not too distant future, we're going to be talking about when Claudius uh, annexed uh, Mauritania to the Roman Empire, I think, happened sort of not long after he took no, uh, he took over. It was Caligula. Wasn't it Caligula who, who executed the king? Uh, yeah, but I think it, was, it wasn't until Claudius when he directly annexed it, I think around about 44, a few years after Caligula. So uh, we'll, we'll get into that soon. You, you, you should come on and... I don't know. We can talk about that too. Good, right? Now, every time I suggest to you when we're chatting on Facebook about uh, Ray and I coming to Morocco and doing a road trip, uh, you talk me out of it. You say it's a very bad idea. I'll end up dead. It's, it's you're obviously also... you're obviously not working for the uh, Moroccan Tourism Board, Mohammed. Uh, no, I'm not. No, no. I I actually could get uh, arrested if I if I say that uh, to you in public. We won't. We won't tell people what your last name is then. Uh, yeah, it's okay. 
I hope there are. I hope there's a few people called Muhammad in Morocco. You should be safe. Uh, there is quite a lot. <laughs> you, if you if you did come to Morocco, you'd be very 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 welcome to come to me. Right. You'll you keep me safe. Yes, I will keep you safe. I'll protect you from the barbarian. Bad enough going to Athens. I got pickpocketed in Athens. I mean, if uh, surely it can't be any worse in Morocco. No, it can't be worse in a third world country. It can't. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you again for correcting me, keeping us honest, Muhammad. I, I always like it when we have listeners around the world who actually know how to pronounce things properly and tell me that I get shit wrong. So um, thank you for coming on and uh, correcting it. That's good to know. White, white Berbers, white Moors, the white Moors, I'll remember that. Can I suggest to you one thing? Please do. Bring back the music, man. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. You were taking a major free fall in quality since you, since you stopped using the music, man. It's not, oh, really? it's not the thing. Not the same thing. It's not the same. The, the, yes, the Caesar show was much, much better when you played uh, I know. Africa every five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, we're trying to we're trying to do the right thing. We'll get in trouble if we put music on, but yeah, um, yeah. Okay. What, what if we just sing it? Is that the same? No. 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 Okay. Oh, you have to play Toto, man. Right. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll you, talk to my lawyers. You, you can't you can't talk about Claudius annexing Mauritania and not playing. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Oh. Africa just makes everything go down better. I think. Yes. Despite the uh, uh, geographical problems with the lyrics of the song. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, Muhammad. Take care of yourself and uh, keep. You. Keep, keep pulling me up when I fuck shit up. I will do. In 1492, Colombo crossed the ocean. Only one of many horrors that would then be set in motion. As his men cut limbs of Arawaks, and burn children at the stake. Plundering a continent for God's sake. In 1492, when King Ferdinand won Granada, he passed a law known as the Edict of Alhambra. It was as the landlords wanted, as his gracious God had willed, that any Jew in Spain had three months to leave or else be killed. And 800,000 Europeans became refugees and headed east across the Mediterranean Sea.
1492. They were starving and bereft. The king said they'd be safe up until the time they left. But Christian Europeans cut them open with their swords, searched their stomachs for gold, and dumped them overboard. When 800,000 Europeans became refugees and headed east across the Mediterranean Sea. In 1492, the Sultan sent his fleet to go rescue Sephardim after the Ottoman defeat. Hundreds of thousands of people who knew their deaths were near were rescued by Muslims and taken to Izmir. In 1492, the Sultan said, that's fine. If they'd impoverish their kingdom just to enrich mine. The Sultan also passed an edict. He said, welcome home. Now treat your new neighbors as if they were your own. When 800,000 Europeans became refugees and headed east across the Mediterranean Sea. And headed east across the Mediterranean Sea. In 1492. Welcome back to the Renaissance episode 87. That was David Rovick's. um, I've been following David's work for 15 years, probably. He's an American uh, activist, communist, uh, lefty uh, singer songwriter. And um, I, I tried. He was in like Melbourne, I think, decade more ago, and I tried to organise a, a podcast with him, and it didn't work out for some reason. But mm-hmm. anyway, I've been on his mailing list ever since, and I listen to his songs, and uh, he writes a lot of good lefty sort of folk songs. Right. Um, and I just happened to see an email come come uh, uh, out from him a couple of days ago. He goes, "Oh, my new song is called the Alhambra Decree," and I was like, <laughs> "Fucking what? Really?" <laughs> So I sent him an email and I said, hey, listen, uh, we're about to do a, an episode right. on the Alhambra Decree, part of our Spanish Inquisition series. Do you mind if I play your song? And he said, yeah, absolutely. That'd be great. I'd love you to. 
So nice. thank you to David Rovix. You can uh, check him out. David Rovix. It's R-O-V-I-C-S dot com. It's his website. He has podcast too, and he puts out his songs. And yeah, check him out. And he tours all the time when he's not in lockdown. But right. at the moment he's in lockdown. But he travels the world. Travels the world. Nice. Uh, he was recently in Denmark. Uh, or he was going. Sorry, he was going to be in Denmark. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Belgium and Canada, but obviously uh, that's probably right. off for the time being unless uh, the world comes out of chaos. But, yeah, travels the world, sings his songs uh, for a living, does a great job. Well, I just have to say he pretty much covered all of my notes, so I will see you yeah. next week, Cam. <laughs> Done. <laughs> it's a history, history podcast in a five-minute song. <laughs> it's going to take us... Uh, yeah, seven hours to tell the story. He did it in five minutes and did a better job. But there yes. you go. And you can hum along with it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you to David Rovix for allowing us to Thank use you. that song. Yeah. So in 1492, <laughs> where we got up to in our last episode, right. um, after Isabella and Ferdinand concluded their war with the last remaining Muslim kingdom in the, the, the Iberian Peninsula, Granada, mm-hmm. Uh, all the Jews were banished from Spain. There was enough evidence, according to the Inquisition, oh, yeah. that the Jews were trying to convert conversos oh. back to Judaism. They were trying to converso the conversos. They were trying or... to reverso the converso. Oh, reverso the converso. Coffee mug. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the highest form of compliment we know how to give people. Coffee mug? Yeah, a coffee mug. Anyway, yeah. sorry. So they decided to kick the lot of them out. And as I said uh, at the end of our last episode, that's the Alhambra Decree, also known as the Edict of Expulsion. And it states, in part, these Jews Mm-mm. instruct these Christians in the ceremonies and observances of their law, circumcising their children and giving them books with which to pray and declaring unto them the days of fasting and meeting with them to teach them the histories of their law, notifying them when to expect Passover and how to observe it, giving Mm. them the unleavened bread and ceremonially prepared meats and instructing them in things from which they should abstain, both with regard to food items and other things requiring observances of their law of Moses, making them understand that there is no other law or truth beside it, all of which then is clear that on the basis of confessions from such Jews, as well as those perverted by them, that it has resulted in great damage and detriment to our holy Catholic faith. Mm, now, books. Uh, sorry, go if ahead. Tr- if... If the people they're trying to reverso are the conversos, the conversos were Jews who became Christians. They yeah. already know everything they about know. how to be a fucking Jew. They were yeah. Jews. Don't tell me. They don't I need know, to teach bitch. them. Yeah. 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 I was a Jew when you were still <laughs> fucking wearing little Jewy baby clothes. Playing with your dreidel. The- <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, make it- <laughs> I was a Jew when you still had a foreskin. That's how long... I I've was there when they took your forest can. I've got it in the yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, <laughs> there's also the Edict of Expulsion. Um, no, I don't, but before I get to that, like how uh, uh, insecure do you have to be about Christianity 
Yes. If you think, well, the Jews are offering them something that's better. People are only going <laughs> to reverso their converso if they think they're getting something better. Right. So the, 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 it's the same thing with the Red Scare, right? There's, this is always my confusion as a young man thinking about the Red Scare is, well, if they're offering somebody something that that person then thinks is better than what you're offering them, instead right. of outlawing the thing that they're offering them, maybe you should figure out how to make your thing better yeah. than the thing that they're being offered. Up right? your game. Up your fucking game. Jesus, what do you got? People yeah. people aren't going to convert from Christianity to Judaism unless they think Judaism is offering them something better than what Christianity is offering. So, right. yeah, up your game. Or, <laughs> or communism and, and capitalism in the, right. the other can, analogy. Can I ask, based on your research for your film, um, I, I get that out of the, the many different reasons, but um, for the, uh, the this edict, you know, uh, Ferdinand and Isabella, they want a strong Christian nation, which is one of the things that helped them push the Muslims out. They want to, they want to make it even stronger. Um, they want, there, there's a certain saying in Latin, I didn't write it down, but the people should have the same faith as the king. I get all that kind of stuff. But um, are the Christians like Ferdinand and Isabella, are they trying to save themselves? Do they need to get rid of the Jews because... Jesus wouldn't be happy with that, or are they afraid they're going to be punished with more plagues or whatever, or that there's no chance of him making a return trip if there are a, a, a Jews within their land? I'm just trying to understand. I, I get that they want a strong Christian nation, but the, do they also see it to be self-serving in a very sincere, fearful sense to please God and so to get rid of the plague, get rid of uh, other bad things that are going on, and so we can have his blessing? Did, did you pick up on any of that in your readings? Yes, there's a bit of that, but uh, how much of that is mm. genuine and how much of it is just, well, let's throw a little bit of right. religious nonsense in there to right. justify, uh, you know, this this uh, power grab that we're sure. doing, uh, the purge. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to say. But the people did think th there was a millennialist movement coming up to the year 1500. Right. Um, you know, people get all fucking weird about... Yes, oh, round numbers. It's, it's round numbers, yeah. Because <laughs> Jesus... Loves. It's well known that Jesus <laughs> loves a round number. If he's going to come back, it's going to be... Well, we thought it was going to be yeah. while everyone was still, still alive, according to Paul in the right. uh, Gospels. But when he did... They all died, so they'll yeah. be like, well, it'll be at the 100-year mark. 100 yeah. years... After Guaranteed. He died? Well, no, the, just yeah. the hundred years since after he was born, right? Give or take, because right. we're a little bit loosey goosey on when he was actually born. We don't but have a birth certificate, but definitely a hundred. We'll just, yeah. <laughs> this is a conversation I've been having with biblical scholars recently. Like a couple of the biblical scholars have seen my film. Uh, I'm trying to argue that the, you know, there's a bit in the film where I talk about the the uh, other gospels that didn't make it into the right. Bible. Yes. And the the, tr the typical Christian uh, apologetics for that is they go, well, yes, but they weren't written within the first uh, century. Mm. Like the ones that made it in were written within the first century. That's why they're in the Bible. And I'm like, well, who came up with the cutoff date? <laughs> like who decided... Yeah that the ones written in the first century were the right ones uh, and 
and they go, well, you know, that was within living memory. And I go, yeah, but, you know, no one believes that those people were actually witnesses. Um, so mm-hmm. you're, you're telling me that they were written from stories that were handed down. How do we know the stories that were used to write the ones that were written 50 years later aren't as good as the stories that were, you know, used to write the ones in 100? Like, And also... The fucking uh, calendar, the Gregorian calendar, the Julian calendar, and the Gregor- and, and, and the dates based on Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, didn't come about until like what is it, the seven hundreds? So uh, it was the four hundreds. I can't remember when the calendar was uh, based on. Uh, it was the a whole minute. AD BC calendar yes. it was hundreds of years later. So who the right. you know first century means nothing because no one had thought of him as uh, right. hundred AD. Up until century, so it's all it's all flaky bullshit. Anyway, where was I? Oh yes, so I do think that they did believe that Jesus might be coming back in the year fifteen hundred. Ah, Had to be ship shape, right? If Jesus comes back and he sees one speck of dust on the mantelpiece, he's out. Place I, needs to be fucking clean, <laughs> polished, shiny. Jesus wants a shiny ship. Jew less. Yeah, no more Jews. <laughs> yeah, well, but he was a Jew. Yeah, well, yes, he it's was a Jew, but right. all of his friends were Jews. Well, yes, well, all of his friends were Jews, and he was a Jew. And he said, this thing's only for Jews. Um, it's Jew, Jew, Jews all the way down. Still. But we know best. Still. Yeah. Yeah. We, we do believe that he probably changed his mind on that at some point <laughs> after he stopped telling people what right. he thought. Right. Uh, why? Well, uh, we, just, we just, he, he came, came to us in a vision. Right. Told us that he didn't like Jews anymore. He's, he's he, Jesus is the Gus Fring of of inspections. Like he comes back, he sees any, any the slightest hint of a smear of, of grease on yeah. the fucking fry cooker. <laughs> he's like, that'll do. You can go home and go. Really, it's not good enough, Mister Fring. I should do it again, Mister Fring. Yeah, just do yeah. it again. Buffet. Um so, yeah, they had to cleanse the land of non-believers uh. Uh, for the return of Jesus. Uh, here's, the, here's a bit from the um, Edict of Expulsion by Inquisitor General Torquemada. It has been proven <laughs> that the unconverted Jews have, through various means, ways and manners, attempted to steal away Christians from our holy Catholic faith and have them depart from it, bringing them and perverting them to their damned beliefs and opinions, instructing them in ceremonies and in observance of their laws, making congregations where they read to and are taught what they had to do to hold and keep and maintain an observance of the said law, arranging for circumcisions for them and for their sons, giving them books in which there were prayers to be made each year, and accompanying them in the temples of their ancestors in order to read and teach them the history of their law, informing them in advance of the festival of Passover holidays and morning days, and advising them of what they had to observe and do, giving them and placing unleavened bread in their hands, and meat killed according to their ceremonies in order to celebrate their holidays and festivals, instructing them in things in which they had to partake, such as food and other things, convincing them as much as they could that they had to uphold and keep their law, making them understand that the Christian's law was a mockery and the Christian idolaters. All of this was rendered evident and attested to by a great number of witnesses and confessions by both the Jews and those they had perverted and tricked 
thus resulting in great damage and detriment to our holy Catholic faith, according to what has been made public and is known to all in these kingdoms and this bishopric. <laughs> Congratulations. I think you pulled something. He was uh, just a frustrated virgin, uh, Tokamata. Was that? Couldn't, couldn't get laid, so he had to burn people at the stake. I feel like that that's a story that would belong in the National Enquirer or some other true uh, trash magazine that you would pick up in the supermarket uh, as you're about to check out. But, I mean... What do we, what do, what do we call yeah. those guys today that can't get laid and, and so they oh, hate women? Oh, oh, God. Um, oh, shit. Fuck. Yeah. Them. Anyway, Torquemada, I think, was yeah. one of those. Right. So, but, but, but you're right. So on March 31st, 1492, less than three months after, after Granada Falls, the monarchs signed this. It's time to get rid of these people. Now, I wanted to ask you, Cam, because in one source had read that Isabella was the force behind this decision and that Ferd, 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 uh, Ferdinand was pretty much okay with it, but she was the force. And then I read somewhere else that she says something like, well, the, the God has entered Ferdinand's heart and he wants this. And there's nothing I can do to stop it. Did, did you get the sense it was one or the other, or did, did it seem like it was a mutual uh, decision because they both end up signing this document? Yeah. There's some stories that somebody, there was, you know, Ferdinand nearly got him, let himself get talked out of it, but then Torquemada made him change his mind. Ah. But I, I think it was. I think they they were all in on it. I think they all thought it was a good idea. But as we'll see, they didn't mm. really want to expel the Jews. <laughs> that was just a front. They didn't really <laughs> expect them to leave. Which, it's a bit like when you, you 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 kick your wife out of the house. You right. say go. That's it. I fucking had enough of this shit. Just well, you just go. You yeah. take your wedding ring off. You throw it on the fucking floor. That's it. I'm done. I'm oh. out. Fuck this shit. I've had right. enough of your griping and your whining. And she goes. I'll I'll go. You go fine. Go no. I'll really go. Yeah. No. I want you to go. If I go, I'm not coming back. But please, don't come back. I'll be so much happier if you don't come back. And then she opens up the door and she gets in the car and you go. She's not gonna. She's not gonna really go. And then you hear the engine going. She's she's not gonna. She's faking it. She's not gonna right. drive away. Yeah. And then she you, you hear the car pulling out of the driveway. You go. Well, she's she's just pretending. Yeah. She's not gonna really go. And then she you know she's a block away and you look right. at her and find my friends. You go fuck. She's really done it. And you grab you go baby please come back baby I didn't really want you to go baby I'm so sorry baby please come back. It's and kind realize, of one of those deals. She took your car. But anyway, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah because I guess she's got, you, you realize that she's just pulled up out the front of uh, D'Angelo's house. And you're like, oh, shit, I forgot about that. She went three doors down, parked right in front of D'Angelo's. <laughs> and as she's walking to his door, she's taking her clothes off. But so they don't yeah. want these people to really leave. I'm, I'm assuming they want them to convert, which is absolutely ridiculous because we've just spent the last two episodes saying that the, the former Jews are not getting credit for converting. So, yeah, no, they no wanted win. them to convert. Yeah. Yeah. Now, according to Lorente's History of the Inquisition, which is a really fun read, D. Right. Uh, Juan Antonio Lorente was a Spanish historian. He ended up, of the, ended up as the General Secretary of the Inquisition Damn. in 1789. Okay. But then when Napoleon took over Spain... This guy sided with the Bonapartists in 1808 and Napoleon shut down the Inquisition, as we know, and this guy was given the job of writing the first history of Ooh, the Inquisition right? Uh, in an era that was, you know, uh, 
Napoleon tried to introduce through his brother uh, the, the secular government of mm. Spain. And uh, so he was able to write, uh, you know, a free secular history, even though he was previously the general secretary of the Inquisition. So <laughs> this guy knows where all the bodies are buried. Right, right. Um, in his book, he said that the Jews were accused of persuading those of their nation who had become Christians to apostatize, apostatize, let me try that again, apostatize, right. and of crucifying children on Good Friday. no. In mockery of the saviour of the world and of many other offences of the same nature. The Jewish physicians, surgeons and apothecaries were also accused of having taken advantage of their professions to cause the death of a great number of Christians and, among others, that of Henry III, which was attributed to his personal physician, Don Mayer. Jesus. I think somebody would have noticed so, all that. But go ahead. Yeah, they're secretly poisoning Christians. Left and right. Uh, yeah. Sacrificing so, children. Yeah. Fuck. On, on fucking, uh, you know, crucifying them. Crucifying right. children. Yikes. I, I would like to think that if Napoleon ever read his report and went, yeah, this was a big fucking waste of time. But hey, thanks for the... Uh, Thanks for the book. I mean, I don't know, because he was a pretty busy guy, but just more outrageous bullshit, because there's no way something like that would go on and not be noticed and not be covered or written about in other sources. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, but a good book. This guy uh, Mm -hmm. wrote, like, his history of the Inquisition. Now, over half of Spain's Jews had converted to Catholicism as yes. a result of sort of the persecution they'd been under since 1391. But due to continuing attacks, uh, another 50,000 or more had converted after 1415. So you've got nearly all of the Jews in yeah. Spain had converted. There's not that many left, but they want to they they want a 100% success rate. <laughs> like 90 95% is not good not, enough for no, these people. This is God we're talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. So the a number of people who remained chose to convert to avoid you know the the expulsion being banished from the land. Right. Over 200,000 Jews converted to Catholicism after Damn. the Alhambra decree. Right. And between 40,000 and 100,000 were expelled. Now, so they lose everything. I'm thinking about the Portuguese king, but they lose everything and then they're expelled. So between 40 and 100,000 people, I mean, that's insane. Um, do we know where they were being sent to or just getting the fuck out of there? I guess North Africa and other places like that in Europe? No, they nope. went to Portugal. They went to Portugal. Okay. Next just door. They went get, next door to Portugal. Get the fuck out of here. Gotcha. Yeah. Now, they weren't sent there. They were just told, get the fuck out. And most of them went to Portugal. Ah, it's uh, right initially. there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the, this um, edict of expulsion was revoked. Um, it was issued in 1492 and was revoked. Do you know when it was revoked? 
1920. I'm guessing. I don't know. Because we're talking about guessing. Oh, but I like... I don't know. The 16th of December, 1968. Oh, shit. I thought I was being ridiculous. Fuck me. Fuck me. And like and why second, what second the second Vatican uh, Council? It's like you know I think we this is like that whole Galileo thing and it makes us look bad. Maybe we should bookmark it. We should we should end this. Yeah, yeah. Good God. Uh, so there you go. Six. But they were given. I was two years so old that, when this ended. <sighs> sorry, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead. They were given four months to leave and were told never to return. Now, they could sell their real estate right. and take the proceeds of the sale in forms of a bill of exchange, but not in coinage, right. gold or silver. That can't leave. Yeah, and they, they weren't allowed to take arms or horses. They weren't allowed to export any of their arms or horses and this stuff. So they could sell their real estate and get a bill of exchange in theory. <laughs> but... Right didn't quite work out that way. Well, everybody everybody knows they have to leave and everybody knows they have to get out of Dodge, i.e. Spain, right the fuck now. So I would imagine that people are just going to wait for them to be desperate and I, I just the prices are going to be dropping uh, through the floor. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, you need to sell your house in a hurry, eh? Oh. oh are you well, going to lose um, it? Oh, yeah. that'd be too bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that'd be too bad. <laughs> I now, I did. I'm sorry. I did want to mention uh, one thing real quick. You mentioned the uh, 1968 date. Yeah, the the uh, the decree had uh, like four. I'm not sure. I, I have it condensed here, so like four different parts. But the very first one said the expulsion of the Jews was final. We agreed to send all Jews out of our kingdoms, and they can never return. Like he was ma- he was making sure that future kings would not. He wanted future kings not to break this. This was. One and done, never come back, never set foot on Spanish soil again. Yeah, but if we assume that this was all for show, this was ah. trying to just make it sound really bad so they right. would convert. Scare, right, scare the shit out of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was, it was conversion as an option wasn't mentioned in the decree, oh. but it wasn't prohibited either. Right. And it seems that the real goal of this was to get people to convert Damn. And the thinking was if they got rid of their Jews entirely, there would be no one to secretly convert conversos. <laughs> There'd be no one left to reverso the converso. <laughs> That's some or intense to convert thinking. Christians. Right. Good point. <laughs> but seriously, so you've just seen thousands of people who converted to Christianity earlier either get burned at the stake or tortured or thrown in prison or have to bribe their way out of the execution or yeah. flee the country, what's the upside of becoming a Christian again? <laughs> it's like, uh, well, <laughs> look, we promise. Yeah. Look, yes, we did do those things once, that, that but was we would, we'll never do them again. No, we've learned. Um, we've know, learned. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, what happens if I convert? And then you just persecute me five years from now. Like, what's what's the upside? Yeah. You, you got five many years. Of them, many Sorry. of them did convert, especially some of the rich and powerful, like the guy we mentioned a few episodes ago, Abraham Senor, uh-huh. Senor, Senior Senor, who was the chief rabbi of Castile, one of the 
closest collaborators of Isabella and Ferdinand. And he and his family were used as role models in the propaganda campaigns that Aww. followed. A, a, a contemporary chronicler at the time talks about the propaganda campaign that unfolded. He said, In all the synagogues and in the squares and in the churches and in the fields by the wise men of Spain and was preached to them by the Holy Gospel and the doctrine of the Holy Mother Church and was preached and tested by their own scriptures how the Messiah who waited were our Redeemer and Saviour Jesus Christ who came in the time to be agreed which his ancestors with malice they ignored and all the others who came after them never wanted to give ear to the truth for being deceived by the false book of the Talmud, having the truth before their eyes and reading it in their lore every day, they ignored it and ignored it. So, again, you can say all, you can give me all these words and you can give me examples of what I saw with my own eyes, the thousands of people that were burned, but, but I guess it's literally a rock and a hard place. What are you going to do if you're one of the few remaining Jews in Spain? Like you said, most of them converted because what you know, when the ones that didn't were kicked out or went to Portugal, and I imagine they weren't quite knowing what was going to go on there. So why take that chance? Just convert and try to keep your head down. It just had to be scary fucking times. So the Jews that decided not to convert had to prepare themselves. They had to sell their goods with very little time and a lot of market pressure. Right. Um, and they were offered ridiculously low amounts for most of their stuff. And then the bills of exchange that they got when they did sell it weren't much help because the bankers, mostly Italian, probably Medici, <laughs> Medici, right, were demanding enormous interest. For oh. holding on to their money. Fuck. We will take your money and, you know, enable you to exchange this wherever you land at one of our other branches, but right. they were charging enormous rates for doing that because they could. Yeah. Because they were capitalists. Begin to um, there was a... Yeah. Somebody at the time wrote, they sold and squandered everything they could of their estates and in everything... There were sinister ventures and the Christians had their estates, very many and very rich houses and inheritances for few monies. And they prayed with them and found not one to buy them and gave a house for an ass and a vine for a little cloth or a linen cloth because they could not bring forth gold or silver. Jeez. You, can't, you cannot ignore the financial aspect of this deal um, the the elites of Spain are going to come out quite well from this, and and like you said, they didn't they didn't really want them to leave. They wanted them to convert. Some of them weren't going to. So again, it's win win for the Spanish monarchy. They either get cash or they get fewer Jews. And of course, a lot of the Jews were bankers who had loaned money to Christians. Ooh, and when they said, uh, "Can I get my money back?" the Christians were like. Mm, so I just don't. I just don't have it. Honestly, uh, so yeah. I would. Honestly, bad if time. I had the money, I would right. give you money. But yeah. you just. You, I, I just saw you put in an order for a whole new new furniture suite. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, but I need that. Uh, yeah. you know, my wife is not happy, and if she's not happy, then uh, she won't blow she, me. So she you got know, a D'Angelo. You know, that's yeah. Yeah, that's that's not a you know that's not a you know, luxury. That's that's necessary. <laughs> It's a sexual ne um, necessity. Yeah. <laughs> Hour three. 
So, uh, you know, the, the Jews were getting completely fucked up the ass here by the Christians. In a letter to the kings, some Jews complained that the mayors of the village made them and have closed many unreason and grievances, says that they do not consent to them, nor do they want to pay and pay their personal property and that they have no less, but they want to make and pay the debts owed to them and that which they deem urge them to do and then pay them even if the deadlines are not reached, which makes no sense, but that's what he said. <laughs> Thank you. It's basically, we're getting fucked up the ass. <laughs> that's right. Hey, tough. Probably makes more sense in... Spanish. Exactly. And then on top of that, they had to pay all of their own expenses to go where they were going. Oh, my they God. They had to pay for a ship or for transport. They had right. to pay for tolls. They had to get to a new land and buy a new house and set themselves up in a new business or whatever. So they were fucked. Now, a lot of this was organized by a guy called Isaac Abravano. Mm-hmm. He was another one of the Spanish royalty's rich... Jewish tax farmers like Abraham Senior. Right. Originally from Portugal, where he had been the king's treasurer as well as the biblical scholar. Uh, and then he got run out of Portugal when they had a change of monarchy, went to Spain. Right. Now he's being run out of Spain, going back to Portugal. Oh, my God. Because the king there uh, had was sort of welcoming them, said, yeah, 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 come to Portugal, it's all good. We're over our whole anti-Semitism <laughs> thing that we had a little while ago. Are we? We, we got over that. It's all going to be good. Yeah. Now, this is the guy that I mentioned earlier who tried to bribe Ferdinand right. into changing his mind about the expulsion. Oh, yes. And was there a religious person mentioned the 30 pieces of silver about Judas? Well, if you know my... the story, tell the story. No, I. that's literally all I remember. I was just asking if that was the the correct story. You remember. I... You're not supposed to remember. You're supposed to write notes is how this works, right? It's not... Oh, shit. Now you know. tell me. It's been six years. <laughs> yeah. It's not Whose just fault is that? remember something about that. Well, yeah, mea culpa. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Abravanel uh, offered the king 30,000 ducats... Damn. Uh, and Ferdinand apparently considered it. He was like, well, that is, <laughs> a, lot of, th- is a lot of money. I can yeah. use the cash. Yeah. Mm. Um, until Torquemada heard about it, went oh, to see shit. the king, threw a cross at his feet and said, Judas sold his master for 30 pieces of silver. Your highnesses are about to do the same for 30,000. Behold him, uh. take him and hasten to self him. <laughs> so he's like, shamed. I have no idea what that means, but I just can't hear. Listen to that voice. Okay, whatever, whatever it takes. Just leave <laughs> us alone. Yes. From now on, text me. I don't ever want to hear your voice again. So, so the king was shamed, and he said no to an idea to a proposition. I'm sure he would have. He would have loved that. Loved that cash. Abravanel had to contract the ships. Had to pay very high prices. Um, in some cases, the owners of the ships either just took the money and then didn't uh, ship oh, anybody or oh, killed the killed the people on the ships to yes, steal like in the song. what they were able to take out. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, Lorente, again, the guy writing under Napoleon, said that 800,000 Jews quitted Spain. It's obviously where um, uh, David Rovix got his 800,000 number from. Right. 
Uh, you know, some of the modern historians say it was a lot less than that, like forty to 100,000. But yeah. anyway, Lorente claimed 800,000. Left Spain and uh, settled in the New World. Hold on. Let me read this again. 800,000 Jews quitted Spain. And if the Moors who emigrated to Africa and the Christians who settled in the New World are added to that number, we shall find that Ferdinand and Isabella lost through the cruel measures two millions of subjects. Jews carried a quantity of gold with them, concealed in their garments and saddles and even in their intestines, for they reduced the ducats into small pieces and swallowed them. Damn. So some went to Spain, uh, sorry, some went to Portugal, some, the Moors went to Africa, and some went to settle in the New World because this had just been discovered, quote, unquote, by Columbus. (laughs) I, I find it hard to believe that they were like, Oh, fuck it. Yeah, we just heard in the news that Columbus uh, found <laughs> this right. place. Let's go. Let's go We're there. Going. Maybe. Maybe they did. I, I, I don't know, yeah. you know, how quickly uh, Spanish immigrants ended up there. Um, Good point. Yeah, dig into that, that seems, bit. A, seems a bit much. He just discovered it and people are running there. Nah, mm. possible. King John II of Portugal promised that he would allow the Jewish refugees to reside in the kingdom of Portugal for eight months Er? in return for a tax of eight crusados to be paid in four installments. And then they could get on a ship to take them to their final destination. So he was like, listen, no, you can't live here. Okay, I said (laughs) we were over the anti-Semitism thing. I I might have been a little bit... uh, Hasty. A little bit... uh, (laughs) (laughs) I may, may have spoke too soon. I, yeah, egg yeah, on me. Yeah. Egg on me. It, uh, it was hour three and I just said something. <laughs> just and then something. I woke up the next day and I was like, oh, oh, I really, I was I drunk. Fucking you know, Jews really here? Like, did did yeah. I say that to the Jews? Oh, oh my God. Well, yeah. I guess I said it now and they've already booked their tickets. Like you can stay here for eight months, right. but that's it. You got to go. So they pay the uh, the four payments um, but as far as I know, he does renege on the voyage part of it. So he lets them stay there for a while. They pay the four installment payments. And then when it's time for them to leave, he reneges on the deal, but he keeps their cash. Just like Isabella, just like Ferdinand, they've, these rulers have found a way to create anxiety for the Jews or for the conversos and then cash in on it. I mean, it's just all about the Benjamins. Yeah. Jeez. He, uh, even worse, he ordered that children of Jews could be taken from their parents and raised as Christians. Fuck. They were secretly sent to an island called St. Thomas, Uh which had recently been discovered. And there they were going to be raised in uh, monasteries and uh, basically, uh, you know, uh, raised as Christians. Right. I think this is Sayo Tome. Sayo Tome. It's a Central African island. Sayo Tome and Principe. St. Thomas in Portuguese. Yeah. Right. Discovered in 1493 by Alvaro Camina. Um, They were going to grow sugarcane on there. 
2,000 Jewish children, eight years old and under, were sent there. Yeah, King John is going to rule until 1495, so that's certainly plausible if it was discovered in 93. Yeah. But apparently a lot of them died on the yes. ships on the yes. way uh, or due to the conditions on the island, which oh, were obviously harsh. It had just been yeah. discovered. Now, after King John died, his cousin and brother-in-law was named King of Portugal, and his name was... I know nothing. I am from Barcelona. <laughs> his name was Manuel, and he was from Barcelona. <laughs> he ruled from... Hello. Yeah, hello. My name is Manuel. <laughs> I know nothing. Okay, okay. That's all I ever said on... Okay. Yeah, faulty towers. He uh, Manuel Dom Manuel rules from 1495 to 1521, and bless his heart, as my mother would say, he freed the Jews that had been enslaved during John King John's time. So good on him. However, uh, yeah, <laughs> but then and then he decided that he wanted to get his dick wet. Right. Uh, in particular, he wanted to marry the daughter of King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella, a.k.a. Isabella of Aragon. Right. Now, she had been married before Uh-oh. Ray. Oh, I did not know that. I just assumed she was 13 years old and ready to go. Who was she married to? Uh, she, in fact, she was 26 at okay. this stage. Can be hot. She had been married to Prince Afonso, oh. the only son and heir of King John II right. of Portugal. Who died. But he died yeah. suddenly in a riding accident, and yeah. she decided it was God's punishment for she... there being Jews in the country. Oh. <laughs> so he wants to get married to her. He and this um Manuel's maybe being a little more tolerant, but now his bride-to-be who won't give it up until the wedding night says, I will not enter a country if there are Jews in there. Well, Manuel has a talk with his penis. There's only one thing to do, get rid of the Jews. So he declares that he's going to expel all of the Jews from the kingdom. Yes. Their marriage contract was signed on November 30th, 1496. And on December 4th, he delivered his edict of expulsion, ordering that all Jews, regardless of age, leave the kingdom of Portugal by the end of October 1497. So he's giving them 10 months. That's nice to go. And he wrote that with his penis. That's not the point. The point is he's a little more tolerant. He gives them 10 months to get out. That's not bad. It's better than uh, what what Spain did. Failure to leave was punishable by death and confiscation of property. Any Christian found helping a Jew after the designated period would forfeit their assets. And again, the edict also mentioned that no future ruler of Portugal on any pretext was ever to allow Jews to settle in the kingdom. However... However, this would be a brain drain. This would be a financial drain. This would be a population drain. You know, you need people. So he doesn't want them all to leave. So he orders that all Jewish children up to the age of 20, 
which I have a hard time calling a child, boys and girls were to be taken from their family and raised as Christians. As you can imagine, the bishop there was not quite happy with that because why they would still be conversos. And that's where I think we're going to leave it, Ray. The expulsion of the Jews from Portugal. Yeah. Because uh, Chrissy's about to start teaching violin to an American. She's got a new student in California. She's teaching over Zoom, and she told me I had to be finished by this hour, which is why Fox just stuck his head in the room and told me to fucking finish. (laughs) Because mummy's teaching. You said three hours. Don't go over three hours with Ray. And then <laughs> up to three hours. Okay. Well, thank you. So we'll tell that story next time. Thank you, ball boys. <clears throat> thank you, everybody. Uh, stay safe. Wash your hands, etc. We'll right. be back uh, next time with more nonsense. I know nothing. I am from Barcelona. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul.